0: The Scotland Stoics podcast where presenters Robert Keenan and Colin Hay present ancient stoic philosophy to modern years in the hope that people may find some inner freedom. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Scotland Stoics. My name is Robert Keenan and we've got I'm excited to invite our new guest on today is Rob Coulter. Hi Rob, how are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh how is the weather over in is it Wyoming? Is that where you are?
1: Yeah, why I'm in Wyoming in the Rocky Mountains here in the States. And uh the weather's not bad today, but um we're supposed to get blizzards coming in tomorrow. So
0: yeah I think that's that's them just left Scotland. we are en route because (laughs) we've had our blizzards. As I currently speak to you right now, I'm looking out my my living room window and we've got about two feet of snow out there. Oh nice. Um, so It's beautiful, good to see, and uh, but um, but hard to get out to work in it just now. Let's, yeah, that's right, that's
1: right. Hard I to do your just, shopping,
0: yeah, do your shopping. And <laughs> obviously, due to the, the current climate looking through, I've got family members who've had uh, COVID, so mm. I've had to go up and um, I've had to help out with messages for them and that. My grandmother, she's an 83 year old, she she mm. caught the virus, went mm. to hospital, back home, fighting fit, you know. Remarkable women, remarkable women. So, yeah. um, so I was doing my rounds today for that. So trying to get the street was a wee bit of a nightmare. <laughs> that thickly, yeah, Drive two wheel drive, no four wheel drive. So um, yeah. so it was a bit of a challenging day, but, you know, I did the best I can. You know, And yeah. that's, it, that's yeah. what we try and do with we, we we stoicism, obviously. So for what sure. we do on here, Rob, is what we do is slightly different to some other shows is we like to get to know our guests first before we start yeah. speaking about philosophy. <laughs> So what I'm going to ask you, Rob, is that, could you tell us a wee, could you tell the listeners a wee bit about um, where you grew up, like, did you mm. brothers and sisters, uh, and what was sure. it like growing up when you stayed?
1: Hmm, yeah, so I grew up, um, I grew up mostly uh, in the American West. Um, so grew up in Colorado, primarily, and uh, although moved around a bit, my dad was involved, uh, my dad was a veterinarian. Interestingly, and he's uh, my my whole paternal line is is old cowboy ranchers, right? So the uh, I mean, they literally were the guys on the horses with the hats and the rifles and and um, uh, you know out on the range and um, you know herds of cattle for thousand miles and things like that. Um, but by the time uh, I came along at least my part of the family was a little more civilized, um, <laughs> meaning city dwellers a bit more, right? Uh, um, even though, you know, I grew up sort of near um, the country you grew up doing outdoor activities. And, um, but, um, you know, my dad being a veterinarian, um, I thought I might be interested in, in something in the biological sciences. Um, and so I started off college Pre-med, uh, and then uh, I decided that maybe those philosophy guys were actually asking interesting questions, and maybe I'd go do that. And I haven't looked back. So yeah, um, I've got a I've got a sister. She lives uh, in the Midwest, and uh, both my parents are still alive. Um, and they live about an hour away from me right now, so um, I don't get to see them very often. Uh, they live in a in sort of an assisted living situation, so I talk to them over Zoom and such pretty often, but um, they're pretty well taken care of, so I don't have to go slip and fall in the snow for them.
0: No, absolutely. That's it. That's excellent. Um, that kind of leads me on to the next question. You know, I find that quite funny, how you're, you're from probably quite a tough kind of cowboy, yeah, rancher kind of background. Yeah. Then from to go from as you mentioned there like kind of into in medical school, but then asking the question about philosophy, and then that kind of leads me on. So how did you eventually get into the philosophy, and if not stoicism as such, but into philosophy, and then enhance that to obviously to the level you're at the now, obviously because you're obviously a college professor today.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so could you give us a, a wee background as to how that all came about?
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, I started off college pre-med, you know, thinking I would be a doctor or something like that. And I always knew that I was interested in kind of pushing the boundaries of knowledge and understanding. And, uh, I was doing really well in my classes, but I was bored (laughs) and I taken all these science classes and math and things like that. And I flirted with maybe majoring in mathematics or, um, But I I really got exposed to some philosophy, and um, it actually turns out I had an uncle who was a philosophy professor, but I didn't even know what that meant when I was 18, right? So I ended up thinking I didn't want to pursue this science stuff anymore because I thought I'd be years before I got to even ask any interesting questions, and those weirdos in the philosophy department were asking interesting questions. Right now, (laughs) right? And uh, so that was kind of cool. And I just like, I just shifted my whole academic program from the sciences into doing philosophy. And I got turned on by classical philosophy really quick. Um, I think it had something to do with the fact that one of my first philosophy teachers was a really charismatic teacher um, who specialized in Greek philosophy. And, And my early sort of first love was Plato. Um, so I wrote an undergraduate thesis on Plato's Parmenides. I also started studying Greek then, uh, as an undergraduate. And I mean, I I, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, it's kind of a funny little story. I was in the basement of my. I went to a small college in the Pacific Northwest, and um, I was in the basement of the library where all the philosophy books were, and I was just. Um, perusing the shelves. And I pulled out this book. Um, it was a collection of articles by the scholar Gregory Vlastos. And um, I I pulled it out and I just read a book. I, sorry, I read an article he wrote in there um, from 1954. I think the title is um, The Third Man Argument in Plato's Parmenides. And I read that and I said, oh, I want to do this. And so it was kind of like a road to Damascus moment in the basement of a small college library. Um, And basically that's sort of what I pursued. Um, And then I got a master's degree in classical languages, went and did a PhD uh, in Greek philosophy, and um, then started being a professor, bounced around a little bit. And I got the opportunity to come back to the American West here at the University of Wyoming. And I've been here since 2007. That's kind of my been my journey in philosophy.
0: No, oh, it's, it's remarkable how it came about. And for 2007 up to now, that's a long time, being a, a professor, which kind of leads me on to the, the, the third question I'm going to ask you. you know, I did always I was laughing earlier on telling you about technical issues. You can see with my people looking at you, my power just went out of the house. So uh, <laughs> I've had it all happening. I wondered story. what happened. You know, <laughs> was that my, I, I kind of paused. So that was me waiting. So thank, thankfully that you kept talking because I kind of, you paused out for about uh, for 10 seconds there. So um, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping my son's going to fix that now, but we'll just wait and see. Um, no, but it kind of leads us on to the next question, you know. And I found this quite, really interesting. When i was reading uh one of your articles and modern stoicism and you were tell you were talking and about um well first and foremost we'll get to that in a later date if you want to speak about it later on about the your uh, illness you had in new zealand but mm. for this one i found it was quite remarkable was that you, you you taught stoicism for nearly 20 years yeah. and you, you were you, you knew about the theory yeah subjective about the theory yeah. but you actually never took the practical physicality uh, in your yeah. life and, and, and uh, worked in your life, you know, I find that, I find that remarkable, especially being such a practical philosophy. So yeah. could you please uh, tell us what happened? What was the change that mm. came about that brought about the practical illness in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was, um, so yeah, I mean, I mentioned that Plato was sort of my first love and I was really into the, like, plato and his metaphysics and epistemology and aristotle as well i had some great teachers who were really uh really important scholars of that stuff and i was always gravitated gravitated toward the stuff that was technical and hard right i don't know i think it was a little bit of a macho thing right and um and you know of course i had to study, had to study some Hellenistic philosophy, which wasn't, I didn't think, I wasn't as impressed by uh, its difficulty. Um, But um, I was teaching Epictetus. um, And I, you know, I I had the Stoics in my, some of my classes and when we talk about um, you know, the importance of Greek philosophy and its influence. And of course, you know, Stoicism was, huge, was hugely influential in Hellenistic Greece and certainly Rome. So I kind of felt like I had to talk about it. So I did. And uh, I had taught, mo- you know, out of Epictetus and Seneca mostly um, for, for 20 years. I changed it up a little bit depending on the context. Um, and it was really... I'm pretty sure I was 40. Um, and I distinctly remember teaching Epictetus the Enchiridion. And I was reading Enchiridion 1, right? That uh, starts off famously some things are up to us and some things are not up to us, right? And up to us are opinion, uh, aversion. I'm blanking out, <laughs> uh, right? But there's four things, right? And I remember reading that and I was reading it yeah, out loud. Yep. Say that again?
0: Yeah, desires, ju- judgments, right. actions, judgment, desires. Yep, verses,
1: yep. yep, yep. And uh, so I um, was reading it aloud to the class for sort of dramatic effect, right? And uh, I did, I can remember the room I was in. Uh, I can remember some of the faces of the students. And um, it, it hit me kind of, I had sort of another road to Damascus moment. I was like, oh, wait. You could really live like this. <laughs> this could really guide one's life and i um i was uh i mean I knew that that's what they thought that's what they thought, but um it it like clicked for me, and I think you know when I look back that was um that was a time of some personal difficulties in my life right? And I guess I was kind of realizing that I needed a philosophy of life. And there I was with one in my hand, right? There was a philosophy of life in my hand and coming out of my mouth. And um, I sort of seized on it right right then um, and started developing on it. And then I went, you know, I went to the internet and I'm like, who's talking, are people actually talking about this? And um, you know, I discovered what they were, this was, you know, so over a period of time, but I, then I sort of before too long ran across what they were doing at the uh, University of Exeter, the beginning of the modern stoicism program. And, and uh, so yeah, I started getting really interested in, in thinking about that and ways to incorporate that not only in my own life, but how might that inform my teaching and my my role as a member of faculty at a university and things like that.
0: No, it's a very interesting um comment you say is about you know the practicalities I bringing into your life because of the troubles that you were going through. Yeah. The you know, the experience I had was very, very similar. You know, I was going through um, at that time, I've had I've had addiction issues in the past with alcohol and, and drugs, and I came off of that. Uh, that p that was like it wasn't working for me Um obviously it's great when you get to know the virtues about temperance but I didn't know that then you know
1: yeah
0: <laughs> and my experience with that was was probably something similar it's I came across a book from that was it was from the I've seen a magician he's not a magician he's, he's a he's an illusionist the illusionist Darren Brown he's quite big. oh yeah
1: yeah yeah I'm a, I'm you know the guy i have about
0: that. in the UK yeah. but yeah. his his um his book was was really was to revolutionise my outlook in life, not through his his belief system, but through the introduction that he, he talked about stoicism, and yeah. he talked about Arthur, as you know, Arthur Schopenhauer, great guy, you know, very optimistic. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> well, if you've and, got a book but, called Happy, yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, I got I got reading about the stoics because once I got into the the concept of what it was and. I started to indulge in the philosophy. It just my life just you know improved dramatically. And like you said, I started reading the people um that you're probably quite friendly with now, you know, Massimo Piglucci, like yeah. uh, Donald Robertson, who uh, have had on the show as well. Um, guys like Bill Irvine, you know, and, and like in a modern stoic approach. And you know, it was it was remarkable the stuff I was yeah. at. I was I was so engrossed in the subject, probably similar to your experience. When you started off with philosophy, they had that kind of same buzz, you know, and mm-hmm. which actually led me on to to starting up a podcast and mm-hmm. and getting people on, like you're saying, yeah. and discussing it. Because I, I, ironically, I'm 40 now, you know what I mean, and it's just <laughs> kind of now I'm engaging, so I'm kind of yeah. getting in the middle of my life, and it's yeah. it's only now where it like yourself, it's like I started to engage with this subject, and you know, and, and it's been, it's been a remarkable journey up to now, and, and, and long may it continue, you know, long may it continue yeah, for sure. Um, so that's actually going to lead to something else I was not going to speak about, which I'm interested in, and I, and I think the listeners will definitely be interested in, um, is that you created the Wyoming Stoic Camp. Yeah. And uh, I remember reading an article in Medium about it, and I found it remarkable. And I thought to myself, that's a great idea, you know, especially mm. for people like myself who stay in Scotland, we like Wyoming. We've got lots of wooded areas, we've got lots yeah. of uh, wildlife nature that, thankfully, yep. we've not got bears and we've not got uh, lions, <laughs> uh, mountain lions, so we're okay there, you know, what I mean, the kind of, the, kinda, the, the yeah. most hard you're going to come across up here is maybe uh, a squirrel, you know, it's not so bad, you know.
1: <laughs> well, we have those too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah you've, got, yeah, you've got them over there. We've I mean, got the red ones over here, but they're a dying <laughs> but never mind, um, but I like to run, so I could at least, if I have a I running nature out here, I'm okay. But I don't fancy being chased by a bear, you know what I mean? So yeah,
1: yeah. No, do, the secret no. about it when you get chased by a bear is you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the guy next to you. <laughs>
0: That's a good way I look at it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Because like you're not going to outrun no, the bear. <laughs> no, no, no. Four, four, four legs is quicker than two. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too bad at running, but I'm not that good, you know. So... <laughs> The question I'm got, I'm asking is, that how did that come about? Because um, yeah. it's still it's really interesting.
1: It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was sort of fairly soon after I sort of fully started trying to incorporate some stoicism into my own life uh, that I thought about how I might share it. Right. So, you know, of course, one of the big stoic central um, ideas is that the goal of life is to live in agreement with nature. And uh, Here in Wyoming, uh, we're surrounded by nature. Uh, There's a lot of nature and not a lot of people. We have more sheep than people in in the state of Wyoming. And um, so I said, I wonder if I could like do some sort of immersive uh, philosophical experience for people and sort of lead something. And I, I went to my department head and she told me that was the stupidest idea she'd ever heard uh and uh but if i wanted to see if i could figure it out go for it so with that encouragement um you know i i looked around and i found a place where we could do it up in the the snowy range of the rocky mountains about probably about an hour from the university or so a little less um and you know that means you know going at what 75 miles an hour so um and uh i sort of borrowed and modified some of the stoic week work they were doing at um at exeter at the time with with chris gill and, and 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 that gang um and uh i put together a thing and i gathered some students who might be interested we went up to this retreat area and We spent a few days up there and um, we would read and talk about stoicism pretty much nonstop from seven in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. Breaks for eating, we'd do some hiking but there was lots of conversation and stuff like that. Hiking, bonfires out in the woods, keeping an eye out for bears and moose and the like. and, you know, everybody stayed in cabins uh, of of uh, questionable, um, but they had roofs and heat, but not much more. Um, and it went really great. Um, I got a lot out of it. The students got a lot out of it. We read mostly Epictetus and Marcus. Um, I found them to work really well in sort of, I mean, they come in more, more bite-sized chunks. Than seneca or and certainly not we weren't reading um you know snippets of chrysippus or, or anything like that um and I, I started teaching it more in the university so i'd get students that were fired up about it, and then i opened it up i just started putting out announcements and uh, it's grown right and people come now from all over the world uh I've had people from uh, Europe, people from Canada, I mean, maybe not all over the world, but certainly both coasts of North America, um, as well as more local people, probably ends up being about 40% my students, 60% people from all over, and um, now it's up to where 25, 30 of us go hang out in the woods and talk about Stoic philosophy for a week. It's pretty wonderful. Um, I get people coming back year after year. Um, obviously, we couldn't do it this last year. I don't think we're going to be able to do it this next summer either. Uh, unfortunately, I'm looking into the possibility of maybe pushing it back towards August, maybe. Um but certainly the year after is my intention to do. Um, and you're invited as is anyone.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I think I would like to go to 2022. That's my, my vision. So yeah. I think I'd like to come over cause it would be a remarkable experience, you know. Really,
1: yeah. really at- it's really great. And, and, and the site we're at, um, you know, you can see probably a hundred miles from, you know, up on the ridge up above it. and. Um, um, it's really it's it's pretty nice. <laughs> oh, it's, it sounds awesome.
0: The yeah. I was thinking just when I was reading the stuff and you were talking about, Marcus and Elisa and Epictetus, um, which kind of brings me on to the next question. You know, it's, I know in the camp you discussed specifically Marcus and Epictetus, but for for anybody trying to to get into Stoicism and access it, would you say that um, they were probably your kind of best? Port of calls rather than Seneca due to the, the flowery language. He's, he's a lot more. He's a lot more hasn't he? Um, yeah. yeah. Times?
1: I think so. I mean, I think Seneca can be hard to engage. I think he's he's flowery, yes, but I think he's also less straightforward. Uh, partly because of some features of who his audience was. Right. Um, Epictetus is very straightforward. <laughs> right he's happy to insult you uh to call you on the carpet um and you know and Marcus is sort of talking to himself right so um i i find that as a first entry point epictetus and Marcus are better than seneca um you know i'm i'm sort of diving back into uh some seneca Rereading his letters for the first time in a while, and he's always got so much going on as a as a writer um, and you know I have such a range at camp i get well, I get other people with doctorates in philosophy who come, and I get people who read Darren Brown's book right, and that's the first introduction to stoicism they've had so so, I think there's enough for everybody in that range, and yeah, sometimes we get swept up into discussions of determinism and um uh, modal logic and stuff like that. but you know people can tune out for some of that and then we get back into how do we apply you know this particular principle to this particular situation um very so the discussion ranges all over the place um and I think we can do that with Epictetus and Marcus as well um yeah, I think that's that's what I want to say about that.
0: No, I think it's it's a fair assessment. I found way Epictetus, um he, as you mentioned, he was very blunt, but he was straight to the point and I understood it. I could I could grasp it, you know. Whereas when I was I was reading Marcus probably a wee bit later on, and I felt how can I put it it's probably a criticism that he's it's been mentioned about in the past that uh, it can be quite melancholy, you know what I mean. Repetition, mm-hmm. but understandably, when you kind of read the history about what he was experiencing on a daily basis, it's understandably was that way. You know what I mean. Whereas when I read Seneca, I found it harder to grasp because I'm not—I wasn't from an academic background, mm-hmm. but I persevered with it, and I loved what I did like. I really like about Seneca's work what was his uh, work on anger. You know? Oh yeah, on anger—it's one of, it's one of the greatest. Tools I've actually implemented, I would say, from stoicism into my life, where I used to be an angry man every day. It's a Scottish thing, ah, oh, <laughs> you know, road rage most days. Yeah. But that that was brilliant. But I, I think I think my go to, my favourite go to, is probably still but Epictetus. I think you know, for
1: me, yeah, yeah, I think you know. so. I mean, sometimes I think Epictetus is like pushing us, trying to push us towards sagehood right? He's really pushing for the ideal, right? Uh, you know, and, a, and a kind of cynic version of sagehood more so than Seneca for sure. Um, but I also think one of the things that makes Marcus so relatable is that he's in the middle of the struggle, right? He's in the middle of trying to be a better guy. Um, and I think that's super relatable. He seems super human, super human, right? Um, to I think to most of us because we're all struggling. You know, when he starts off and he says, remind yourself at the beginning of the day you're gonna meet with ungrateful, meddling, violent, treacherous people. Who can't identify with that? <laughs> right? And then what do we do about it? And he turns it around to remind ourselves that we're all members of the same, you know, cosmopolis. And and right? Who doesn't wake up some morning or who gets who doesn't get stuck in bed and say, Boy, that's so comfy in my bed. And I don't want to get out. And he reminds us of, of what we have to do. And so I think they, they can all play sort of different roles um, in our approach. No, different no, Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the, the, that quote
0: when he says that we are this, you know, we, we come into this world together to work with kind of like rows of teeth. And, um, you know, and it's like, wow, I so get that. You know, it's like yeah. I can't. I try not to be upset in my kin because they, it's not it's I'm that, That's the kind of way it comes across is that they just don't know. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know what the good is, you know. Yeah. And um, it, you know, I'm not great at quoting it, but you know the gist of what I'm talking about. You know, it's, yeah, for sure. It was, and this was a man who was the most powerful man in the world, you know, who yeah. was open yeah. to as as much vice as you could get, you know, yeah. you know, but which we know that. Bruce time, what Nero was like and what Nero did, you know, and what yeah. the, the 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 insane stuff that he got up to, you know, in many yeah. different departments, you know, murder, you know, <laughs> rapes, you know, everything, you know. Yeah. And that was all that could have been all been at Marcus Cirilli's disposal. True. And to, for him to, to to become the man he became, you know, especially after I think it was eight children at a thirteen died at a young yeah. age, yeah, you know, to be to be brought up during uh, to be fighting wars on two fronts. Um, also, to to go through a, a similar situation that we've been through the now, Rob. You know, but to a lot greater degree with the the pandemic, we've got. I mean, mm-hmm. back then yeah, to right. and it was a lot lot worse than it was oh, yeah. uh, today with the, the death rate. Yeah. And for that man to remain, you know, true to his word, to the teachings of stoicism, to me, it just was like he's. I see him as I say, I shouldn't really, but because he, he would never say that about himself. But he's, he, I think he's, he's on the path. When, when he, I, right, but he's on a path,
1: path that I think we can yeah. identify with in that he's still struggling, right? Yeah, he still yeah, has yeah. those bad days, right? You can read these awesome. passages and say, oh, somebody pissed him off today, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not sure who, right? <laughs> but whether yeah. it was, you know, this general or that, uh, you know, servant or whether it was one of his kids, who knows, right?
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. maybe
1: in some cases we can figure it out even, right? Bit.
0: Yeah, it's remarkable, isn't it? Really, really, it really is. great stuff, you know, yeah. and still holds up to this, uh, this day and age, you know, the test of time, he's still held in such high regard, you know, really, yeah. really amazing stuff. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I've got a couple more questions to ask, so, um, sure. but they're, they're a wee bit about the practicalities of stoicism now, Rob, so, what I, what I put down here is that I, I've highlighted the, the company of control, which we spoke about earlier on. Um over power over we have power over actions, judgments, desires, and aversions, which are highlighted in the Enchiridion yeah. by Epictetus. Now, I'm asking it's probably a two two-pointer question here. Okay. The first thing I'm going to ask you is how have you ever used this concept to good in your life, right? Mm. And secondly, is there another stoic technique that you use on a daily basis to maybe supplement that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So so the the dichotomy of control as it's called um right is is kind of foundational to our actions, right? And and it, and that famous passage from Enchiridion 1 of course goes on to explain what happens when you get confused about this, right? Namely, if you think that things that are if you think things are up to you that aren't, you're bound to be miserable. And curse the world, and I, I I have this shaking my fists right at the at the universe, right? Um, and and when you say actions, we have to be careful about what that means, right? Um, I mean I, I think it's usually pronounced impulses. i usually translated as impulses, right? It's my choice. I think of those things that I'm up to are my choices. What I choose to pursue, what I choose to believe, what I choose to want and not want. Um, and when I choose something, whether that thing I choose comes to fruition or not is not up to me, right? So I might choose to go after a job, right? So in, I mean, I've got this, I decide this is a job I'd like to have. So I choose to go after it. So, I, you know, apply and maybe interview and whatever, right? And um, and I'll get it or not. At a certain point, it's not up to me anymore, right? I put in my best effort and and then however it shakes out um, is that's what the universe has, has done for me. Um, and I use this idea all the time, right? And, you know, I think about teaching at a university. What's, uh, I'll just use an example, right? So, um, I. So so this morning I was I was teaching a class on uh, ancient Greek atomism, right? One of the great enemies of the Stoics, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm in the middle of lecture, and the way we're doing things here in the pandemic in my university is there's a small number of classes that are partly in person and partly online, all at the same time. So I'm teaching to a class socially distanced maxed up group of people I have a mask on too in a a large lecture hall and there's not very many people and there's another group on Zoom at the same time like we're doing Um, and I'm having to manage them both at once and I'm talking about this stuff and all of a sudden I notice the Zoom group goes away so all of a sudden I'm like well I guess lecture's been interrupted so i have to go through and i think what are my options here what are my choices i can make i try to reconnect a couple times it's not working the network's down or something like that Um, so i talk to the people in the room and they suggest a couple things maybe you could reboot it and i try to reboot it and i can't reboot it because because the network connection and so i end up like the wi-fi kind of worked For some reason, I don't understand. So I pulled up my iPad that I had in my bag and I reconnected and restarted the whole thing, right? Now, what about that, uh, uh, the dichotomy of control is at play in all of that, right? Uh, That the network debt went down, not up to me, right? But what's up to me is how do I respond to that? Well, I respond to it by saying, well, either it's going to work or it's not right? If it's not going to work here in the first couple tries, I should see if I can figure out something else, right? And I eventually did, and we got back after maybe five, six minutes, got the class back up and going, we finished the lecture, and so on, and it all went okay. Um, That's a huge thing in my thinking about all that, but I've already sort of implicated a couple other stoic practices, right? Um, One of my favorite bits, um, I'm pretty sure it's in book 10 of the meditations is Markets says, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. Everything that happens happens in such a way that you're either gonna get through it or not. If you're going to get through it, then you will have figured out how to get through it. And if you're not, well, that'll be the end of you. And. Oh, well. In neither case is there reason to complain? Or I would add to freak out, right? Um, right. So, so I'm faced with the situation I'm faced with. I make the choices that are in front of me. Will they work out or not? I don't know ahead of time, but I'm going to do my best in doing so. Um, and so, so I applied this. I mean, this was just an example from just this morning. I could give you another example on another day, um, but it sort of permeates my thinking about what I do or don't do, um, so that's that I mean that's what I got today <laughs> on that point um if you're interested in another um, another practice I use quite a bit is kind of a variant of the what's come to be called the view from above, right but but I'm thinking more in terms of stuff that Marcus does on a regular basis when he talks about, when you can see him get wound up about, um, you know, what's my legacy going to be? Or, gee, how important am I? You know, I'm I'm so important. I'm the most powerful man in the world, right? And uh, then he reminds himself of all the stuff in the past that's happened. You know, he reminds himself that All the great emperors of Rome are all nothing but, you know, bones buried in the dirt. Right. Um, and you know, all the calamities they've been through are just bits of history. If anybody remembers them at all. And everything I'm going through is just going to be a bit of history, if anything at all. I mean, it's a little ironic how much he downplays how much memory there's going to be about him. And here we are talking about him nearly two, two millennia later, but, um, I think about that actually pretty often in thinking about this whole pandemic thing. Right. And you mentioned just a few minutes ago, the Antonine plague that Marcus had to live through. And, and, you know, and in a lot of ways it was worse. And I think about, you know, the sort of chaos of the American elections this year, um, and, uh, political stuff with that and the pandemic. And I think about, um, I regularly think about things like the Antonine plague or uh the plague of Athens that Socrates had to live through where there were you know literally bodies piled up in the in the streets and and I even think about more recently uh things like in my grandmother my grandmother's generation you know who of course lived through World War II and I'm sure you have plenty of uh family stories about that sort of stuff too, uh being over there. Um and all the things that they've lived through, right? And I've said to friends, right, when we're worried about politics, well, people survived Nero. And as somebody once said to me, well, not everyone. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's true too. But <laughs> um so those are some of the stoic practices that jump out that I pay attention to pretty regularly um today
0: no it's really good examples there um really really good i love the 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 view from above it's one of the the, the exercises i use quite a lot because it does it put stuff into context you know about how um how trivial things really are you know it's mm-hmm. especially when you kind of you can i love when i get the science behind things you know it's like when you click your finger once it says that the speed of light goes round the earth seven and a half times, right? Yeah. And, you know, and it's like the closest stars, like 4.2 light years I away. Mean, and that's yeah. the closest of billions that are within this one uh, galaxy, which is the Milky Way. Yep. And they're now saying that there's as many stars as, uh, sorry, many galaxies as there is stars in our Milky Way, which is like yep. mind blowing, you know, yep. and we get caught with such small stuff on this small rock, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in the magnitude of the grand scheme of things, you know, it doesn't really mean that much, you know. And, and I love the part when uh, Marcus Gillies talks about and he gives reference to, um, obviously his name again, uh, Alexander the Great, you know, when he mm-hmm. talks about him being a dust and all that. So really, really interesting things, man. Really, really interesting stuff. Yeah. So thanks for that. So I've only You've got been- one really last question last question for you rob you know i was i was i was trying to go and grab a charger there um I've, as i said i was smiling when you were talking about technical issues since we've been on here i've had a, my powers went out in my house yeah <laughs> the charger's about to go in the, in the the device i'm using just now and uh so I'll, I'll get the last question i'll try and get this charger while you're answering while you're answering it so the last question i'm going to ask you is that what have you got planned in the near future it's related to stoicism and what have you got planned for the stoic camp or any work at all we you're working on? And while you're doing that, I'll grab my charger. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, sure. Um yeah, so so the stoic camp, uh, you know, I hope to get restarted again as soon as we can. Um as soon as we can get it going. Um you know, with, with the pandemic and all of that. And so hopefully no later than uh summer of twenty twenty two. Um and you know so i want to continue that i'm i'm considering looking at other locations and times of the year um so far i haven't gotten any big uh any big interest in the idea of doing a stoic camp in january in the rocky mountains um it's a little bit harsh for people but um i haven't ruled that out yet um You know, I also have been teaching Stoicism in the Wyoming prison system. um, Which is something that I'm continuing to try to grow and do more often. Um, And going to try to get more prison classes going in Stoicism and other philosophy. uh, Primarily philosophy as a way of life, right? Um, So I've been doing that and I've been connecting, been trying to connect more more and more, uh, with, um, putting stoicism out in, into the public. Um, you know, I've been doing co-hosting with Massimo, our Nova conversations for the past several months. And we're hoping to continue that, um, for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm trying to write more, uh, like that article you read on the Stoic camp, um, trying to write more of that stuff. Um my particular position uh at the University of Wyoming is such that uh there's a lot of room for me to in- engage in, in public uh public philosophy stuff. Uh so I'm really I just want to do more. Um kind of be more of an evangelist, I guess, for stoicism and other philosophies of life. So um yeah, so hopefully we can get you, Robert, over for the next iteration of Stoic Camp, Wyoming Stoic Camp. Um, And you know, Massimo's doing a Stoic Camp too, but it's a much more genteel version uh, in uh, New York State. Um, And that's actually how we first met, is he had heard about mine and and, uh, contacted me because he wanted to do something like that. Um, But uh, so I I tell him he stole my idea. and he doesn't oh. deny it <laughs> yeah.
0: well us, us scots we are not a team lot so i'll definitely be company by you first <laughs> that's what I'd can recommend. i can i just ask could ask a quick question actually because i found that really interesting there when you were you were just you were talking about um taking stoic teachings into prison now, yeah I've done so I've done similar experiences. I've uh, Obviously, I told you I've had addiction issues myself in the yeah. past. So I was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous in uh, CA, which is a, a drug related uh, fellowship. Mm-hmm. So we take the message into prisons too. But obviously, I've got a slight stoic uh, slant on my way of doing it. Of course, you know, yeah, if you're in or not. you know, but, um, but I, I find that absolutely fantastic that you're actually taking stoic classes into prison that's remarkable how did that come about uh
1: well we we had a small program here at the university uh started by uh one of our professors in the uh, women's and gender studies program uh to bring university level stuff into the prisons here in wyoming and fairly early on one of the coordinators of that approached me and asked if I had anything I could do with that, and I said, actually, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, for now, for the past four years, I've been teaching um, basically a modified version of what I've done at Stoic Camp into uh, various prison facilities throughout the state of Wyoming, and and uh, there are there are five throughout the state of Wyoming, and I've been to all five of them couple of them twice. Um and is it is it great
0: from that been good, yeah.
1: It's an been good from the
0: prisoners? Has it? Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and uh and the administration. I mean I've heard anecdotally that um that things settle down after stoicism class has been there. Um you know and, and, and it starts to get incorporated, right? it it's it's been crazy. And so now I've actually become the director of our our i we call it wyoming pathways from prison uh i'm i'm a co director of our our prison education program um yeah so um I just recently did an interview with uh from somebody else's blog um on this and I've done a couple other things I can maybe send you a link to my website that has links to all this stuff too if you're interested.
0: Yeah, please do. That's kind of leading us on to the kind of last uh, last kind of question to ask you. Um, how do they, how would anybody that's listening to the program tonight um, or when it goes out to be published, how could they contact you to ask you questions such as that? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, so I've got a, a website which um, is uh, uh, robcoalter dot uh and I can be found on that also I can be reached at the University of Wyoming um, Department of Philosophy and Reli- religious studies and uh, you know I'm a lecturer there and uh, that would work too um, and I'm happy to talk you know it's much so far I haven't reached my limit of talking about stoicism with people so <laughs> and I think I got some room so I'm uh, happy to talk talk more about that
0: yeah good that's it I'm glad you told me that because I've actually come back in future reference and I'll, I'll expect a yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I've no, enjoyed absolute, this listen. so yeah
0: no it's been absolutely brilliant it's been absolutely fantastic and uh, I went I was flying solo tonight a technical issues I had a power cut and we still got the interview done so, so yeah. obviously somebody was looking somebody was looking doing this tonight you know what I mean brilliant well um, you know so- we're either
1: gonna we're either gonna get through it or we're not
0: yeah, exactly, man. Exactly, and it's definitely what tonight. I'll oh, thank you for that, Rob. So I'll just have a couple of quick shout-outs to some of the guests. So if somebody was asking me, Dave, what's been happening with the podcast? Why have we not been on as much? But just a lot going down with COVID and that. So we're going to be regular guests coming up the next month or two. We'll get Kai Whiting coming up. He's going to be publishing a book soon. Um, I won't give away too many details just now, but that's coming out soon. And um, we've got. Uh, we've also got. Uh, I think that's her name, Sammy Glynn, uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth Goyle, she's coming on soon. Uh, and we've got our uh, guest, Catherine, coming on uh, next week or the week after. So definitely listen in for the podcast. And thanks a lot for everybody for listening. Another big thanks to you, Rob. And uh, please send us over that details with about the, the stuff and stoicism for the prisons. I would like to have a wee look at that. And thank you again, my friend. Any last words you'd like to say?
1: No, I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. I uh, hope we get to do it again, and hope we get to see you in, at Wyoming Spoke Camp and many of your listeners as well.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, and have a good have a good day, buddy. Thanks a lot.
1: Bye. You
0: season. bet. Bye. Bye.